thanks for having me. Uh, what, really, it's interesting. I, uh, I really want to do as much Q&A as possible because as I'm getting a landscape of who's in the room, I recognize that there's a good percentage of people that know my spiel. I know there's plenty that don't, but I, I found the more and more I, I speak that Q&A tends to be the most valuable because people are able to ask specific questions without me hyperbolizing up here about the State of the Union. So I'm, I'm gonna spiel for 20, 30, 40 minutes and then I'd like to do as much Q&A as possible so if you've got questions, start thinking about it. I guess I, guess I can start with the fact that um, you know, we're clearly living in a very interesting time. I, uh, I'm, I consider myself an entrepreneur and I, I think that it's never been a better time to be an entrepreneur. Um, I, uh, I'm, I'm stunned by the level of change that we're all living through. I think when you take a step back in this room and think about everything that's happened in the last five or 10 years, it's staggering that basically everything that this room thinks about and cares about in growing their businesses or the other things they're passionate about has fundamentally shifted, right? And I think it starts with an important point. So recognizing that there's a good group of entrepreneurs in here, recognizing that there's a good group of you know, companies that have 300, 500, 800 employees, software-based companies, things of that nature. The one thing that connects everybody in this room, whether you're trying to raise money for your school, whether you're trying to sell a book, whether you're trying to sell a SaaS product, whether you're trying to raise some money, whatever it may be, there's only one thing that fundamentally connects every single person in this room from a business and marketing standpoint, and that is attention. Before you can tell me how great your thing is, before you can tell me why I need to buy your thing or give you my money or whatever it may be, you need my attention. Now, there's a million ways to get attention. You could be a smart young hustler and pin me in the corner as I'm getting my coffee and tell me about your startup and I fucking respect the shit out of that. <laughs> and I think everybody should do that. But the more practical, scalable way for so many people in this room to think about that is sales and marketing, right? I mean, the way we've all thought about it is, you know, you sell it or you market it. Either you go to it or because of what you put out, people come to you. And this is something I've always been really good at. I, I grew my dad's business and a lot of times people think about me growing Wine Library from a three to a $60 million business based on Wine Library TV or based on digital. But the truth is, you know, there's not a lot that's talked about of what I did from 98 to 2001, which is very hardcore traditional media, direct mail, right? Radio, television, billboard, print. A lot of the stuff that I make fun of on an everyday basis now were the foundation pieces to how I started my process. The reason I make fun of them now is not because I think they're bad or not cool, I just think they're overpriced. I think they're overpriced because of one thing, attention, right? In 1998, People read more magazines and newspapers because there wasn't as many alternatives. We didn't have a fucking phone on us to read, right? The internet was still not at scale and that's not where we got our news. So if we consumed news in, print, in written form outside of television, we went to those places. And thus, if you were in those places, it gave me a chance to tell you about my wine deal or anything else I wanted to sell. Over time, that's collapsed. The biggest misunderstanding in the entire ecosystem of marketing and sales right now is where is the actual attention? And the actual attention is shifting on an everyday basis. And the really interesting part for me on that is actually not to compete or talk or really debate traditional. My biggest concern is that people are spending time and energy on digital 1.0 executions. That they, that they don't recognize. For example, how many people here in this room have ever done any email marketing in their career that they were close enough to email marketing? Just raise your hands higher, please. Good amount, great. In 1997, I had a 300,000 person email newsletter that had 89.9% open rates. Don't clap. I appreciate it, but the reason I'm saying don't clap is that was great but it was predicated on the fact that markers hadn't ruined email yet, right? In 1997, email was still fresh. The people that were on it, it didn't take a lot of skill to be that great at email marketing. I moved fast. The skill, the thing that was worth the clap, and I appreciate it, was moving fast enough to recognize there was an opportunity within that medium. And what happened over time was 
supply and demand of attention. People started joining and creating other email newsletters. And for everybody here that remembers, you know, ten, you know, there's a lot of youngsters in here, but for some of us older cats, we remember what happened. In 1997, 1998, 1999, we read our email. An email came in and you looked at it. Like, I, like, in the, like if we go real old school, like 96, 97, you read every fucking word. Now, we don't have patience for that because spam and marketing ruined email. I spend all of my time trying to ruin social media. All of it. Everything I believe in right now, everything, Facebook dark posts, Snapchat, Instagram, Pinterest, all of it, I just want to crush it the way I crushed email. I just want to use it while your attention's there and I'm going to tell you my story. Now, I want to do it in the most respectful and bringing the most value way. Not because of Mother Teresa, but because that actually sells stuff. If you understand how to story tell in those platforms, then you understand how to sell. But the problem is, and not the problem, the thing that has been so great for me that I want everybody here to hear very loud and clear, something else happened in the last five to 10 years while this was happening that changed everything and has given me more time and more opportunity to succeed in these platforms. Data, math. 15 years ago in marketing and sales, data and math were an afterthought. Outside of the nerdiest nerds of fucking nerds, it was an absolute afterthought. What's happened now is it's become something that's at the forefront. And over the next 10 or 15 years, it's gonna take the absolute lead. The problem is, a lot of times the best places to win don't have the data to support the ROI. Let me explain. Right now, right this second, Instagram is the number one and most important social network. Facebook is the most powerful and sells the most, but no question, from an organic standpoint, from an attention standpoint, we're giving Instagram the biggest attention and the biggest time. As a whole, Snapchat 23 and under, game over. Killing it with Instagram being number two. But Instagram as a whole, coast to coast right now, is winning. It's winning because of attention. You may not have as many followers, you may not follow as many things as other platforms, but you're consuming the most on that platform. The problem is, how many people here are on Instagram? Raise your hands. Oh weird, everyone. Good, so all of you know what I know, which is that Instagram, unlike so many other platforms, doesn't let you link out on the post level. So a lot of the smartest people in here, marketers, quant people, they can't quantify the ROI of Instagram as easily as they can on Facebook or Twitter or Pinterest because the data is very difficult. Sure, you can put a different URL in your profile and there's a lot of friction of telling people in your post to go to your profile and click that, but from a consumption standpoint, from an attention standpoint, from an awareness standpoint, it's winning. It's acting like print or radio, or television, or all the other things we use to market for years, we just don't have the quantifiable evidence to prove it out in the same way we can in other places. But there's an important part here, and I'm gonna pound this attention thing, because no matter what you do, it is absolutely the variable of success. Twitter, how many people here on Twitter? Raise your hands. Great. How many people here on Twitter for more than five years? Raise your hands, raise them high, wanna get a sense. Good, solid number. All of you that just raised your hand for the five-year thing, you all know what I know, which was five years ago, you consumed more, there was less of a fire hose, you followed less people, you actually gave your attention more, and even though, for example, I have 1.1 million followers on Twitter, five years ago I had a couple hundred thousand, a couple years ago with a couple hundred thousand, when I would post something, I would get dramatically more conversion, more attention, more clicks, more consumption. But with 1.1 million here today in the spring of 2015, I'm not able to achieve that same game because Instagram exists, Snapchat exists. You followed 100 to 500% more people on that platform. You got enough junk. It's no longer 90% open rates in Twitter. My friends, the single way to sell, succeed, build your business is to follow the attention. The attention is what matters. Understanding what to say is the single most important thing, but if you don't know where to say it, it doesn't fucking matter.
right? And so the biggest arbitrage in the marketplace right now is where is your actual consumer? If you don't understand that Facebook right now, specifically with the ad product that they have in place, unpublished posts, dark posts, whatever you want to call them, whether you're a SaaS product, whether you're a two-person startup, if you don't understand that Facebook dark posts, the ability now to, I I could care less if you have one person following you on your Facebook fan page today, whereas four or five years ago mattered so much. Right now, it's irrelevant if you have one fan or one million fans on your Facebook page at some level because the organic reach has been so subsidized down. What matters is do you understand who your customer is? Do you have the skills to plan, and when I say plan, organize which cohort, which group, which segmentation you wanna reach? And I would tell you that if you're using, how many people here are using Facebook for their business? Raise your hand. I would tell all of you that just raised your hand that if you put out a single piece of content on Facebook that looks like you post it on your fan page and you leave, that that's a waste of your time, that if you post it on your Facebook page and then boost it, that's a waste of your time, that every single piece of content that you're putting through Facebook at this point, given the time you're putting into it, if you are putting time into the creative and the content, which I hope you are, which I know so many of you are not, but if you are, that before you post it, you go into the ad product and you find HR representatives in the South Carolina region, 22 to 26 year old Asian males who like basketball, 41 to 47 year old females that watch you know, Bravo and have two and a half kids, right? You got that? Thanks for picking up on that. <laughs> that if you're not executing that way in May of 2015, then you're not using Facebook properly. Right? The debate of the tools, the platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Pinterest, Instagram, Snapchat, the debate of these tools make me laugh because it's like debating a basketball or a screwdriver. All of these tools work. They all work, but do you know how to use them is the question, right? What's the ROI of Snapchat? Somebody asked me the other day. Same ROI of a basketball, right? What's the ROI of a basketball to LeBron James? A fuckload. I would go with billions. ROI of basketball for me, two torn meniscus, negative. So the tools, <laughs> the tools are in place. The mediums grow. Think about Instagram. Instagram's fastest growing demo right now is 40 to 50 year old females. Literally right now, the fastest growing demo on Instagram is 40 to 50 year old females. There are people in this room 24 months ago that debated if their customer was on the platform because they think it's kids. It all starts as kids. Facebook was kids. Twitter was tech kids. You know, it all starts as kids and then it ages up. That is what happens and that was what will happen every time. How many people here over the age of 35 on Snapchat? Raise your hands. Higher, be proud. Nobody 24 months ago thought anybody was on Snapchat except 13 year olds sending sex pictures. This is what old white male media tries to sell you. And so on and on and on and on and on and on. Everybody in this room, again, for their business purposes or for the things that matter to them in their lives, raising money for cancer awareness, donating to the school, whatever story you're trying to tell, everybody in this room is wasting good time and good money on executions that worked in 2012, 2009, 2007, 99, 94, 87, and that, my friends, is what I care about. Outdoor media, billboards. My clients at VaynerMedia are spending billions of dollars on billboards. When you leave this conference, when you drive, I want you to look at people driving. I look at this now because I'm curious about the attention of billboards, outdoor media, in a world where this is now siphoned and sucked out every ounce of attention in our society when given a moment, right? So I started doing this and I started realizing, holy crap, there's not a single passenger in a car that I've seen in the last year that isn't looking down at their phone. All of them, every single one. All those eyeballs, all those attentions on highways all over the country 
used to just look outside, sing the song, and they would see next exit McDonald's. They would see use this, they would see. The other thing that I picked up on that scares the crap out of me is that three out of every five drivers aren't looking at the billboards, they're looking at their phones. I've actually, for the first time since I was 18 years old, am driving with two hands because I don't trust you fuckers anymore. So my friends, people aren't looking at billboards, they're not even looking at the fucking road anymore. This is a very important thing. Here's another thing, let's go digital. Google AdWords, the foundation of building Wine Library for me. I owned the word wine for five cents for nine months before anybody bid me up the first nine months that Google AdWords were around, right? Foundation. Arbitrage, go to where I thought people were while everybody else was debating if Google was a fad. That was fun. In the last year, Google itself is reporting that AdWord click-throughs are down 15%. We got used to it. We used to click them, now we know they're advertising, we don't click them as much. It's cops and robbers, it's mouse and cat. It's the same old game and all the opportunity is in that first, and it depends on how you wanna roll, startups in the room. When Periscope and Meerkat come out, when something comes out tomorrow, when Yik Yak comes out, the reason you need to be there right away is not because you're gonna sell something, it's because the entire tech and mainstream media wants to write articles about new platforms, and if you happen to be there, you become the poster child. Meerkat came out and 11 of my hardcore fans became famous on it because they just all moved the quickest and they just happened to be there, Vincent and this person and that person, when people wanted to write articles which brought them more exposure, which brought them more leverage, which brought people emailing them and asking them questions. It's just about brand positioning. So if you're a startup, if you're under 10 employees, if you're one employee, every time a new platform that comes out that gets any level of buzz, you need to spend every goddamn minute on it. That's what I did on Facebook, excuse me, that's what I did on Twitter and YouTube. It became the foundation of my success. Big companies in here, bigger companies, I respect why that might not be as valuable, though you can benefit tremendously from the earned media as well, but I respect why that might have a different ROI and a different thing, but when things get to, you know, this is the thing that always blows me away. When things get to 10, 20, 40 million people use, I mean, a year ago, people were still debating Instagram. I'm like, there's 100 million people on the platform. I mean, how many people do you need on there to feel good? It's one every three Americans is on the platform. Like, what do you need? You need every fucking person? I mean, it makes no sense. And so we sit in these rooms debating and we don't recognize the fact that things are happening so much quicker. Speed has never been more valuable than it is today. Action has never been more valuable because the market shifts. By the time, I mean, there are still people in this room, still, pe- still companies in this room, still companies in this country that are just now laying out for the first time any level of smart Twitter strategy. Just now starting to say, you know what? We should get serious about this Twitter thing. Just as and over the last 24, 36 months, Twitter is starting to lose its ROI value of attention and really needs to figure itself out. The only reason Facebook's winning was they recognized that they had to create an algorithm and stop you from seeing everything, which then didn't allow marketers and other people to ruin the platform. The restriction of the timeline is the reason it's still successful because the volume of content would overwhelm you and you would check out, a la email, a la Twitter. The reason, how many people here use Gmail? Gmail, as you guys know, created a promotion tab a year ago because they started seeing email collapse because what they did was, it's really funny, it's a very subtle thing that a lot of people don't talk about. Google followed Facebook with its Gmail algorithm in essence to understand the newsfeed dynamic. Cool, I think I've spent enough time on attention. Let's talk about what you say when you're lucky enough to have the attention. 99% of companies that I look at want to talk about the thing that is in their best benefit. Buy this, try this, come to my conference, check out this. You know who's the worst? Nonprofits. These fuckers, the worst. Everything out of their mouth is give me fucking money, give me money. 
I, as somebody who have a, you know, a million Twitter followers, every single nonprofit that ever hits me up either asks me directly for money on the first engagement, on the first time I've ever talked to them, they want, their, they want money or they want me to tweet it out. I mean, they're not even, I mean, I'm always like, can you romance a girl for five fucking seconds? Fuck. Hence why I wrote jab, 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 right hook. Give, 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 and then ask. If you are not sitting right now and understanding that three out of every four words, statements, pictures, videos, four out of every five, I mean, it was funny. I actually, this is a little unknown fact to to my fans. The original book was called Jab, 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 Right Hook and fucking HarperCollins, <laughs> and I had a real throwdown. They actually paid me more to take out some of the jabs. <laughs> if you're a wrestling fan, the million dollar man is right. Everybody's got a price. Um, so, the reason I wanted to call it jab, 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 right hook is because I think that the market is very confused on how to put out content and how to story tell. If you really, I mean, I, I see a lot of body language in this room right now, if you go look at your Twitter stream right now, if you go, where it's the worst is if you go look at your Facebook fan page for your business right now and you look at everything that's come out of your mouth for the last month, the level of trying to bring value to the other person versus this is in your best interest is staggering. It's absolutely staggering. And the companies and individuals that have been able to win the most in the last five years in a social media world have found the proper cadence and the proper amount of giving out content. The reason Twitter is so special is it's really the only true social network left. If you think about it, Facebook and Pinterest and Instagram and Snapchat, all of these products are content push out platforms. In essence, they're CMS, they're put out content. Twitter is the one place where we can still engage, where people actually have conversations, yet Twitter, because all the money is in content push out, are positioning the product as a content push out. Meanwhile, as many of you know, it's the one place where you can actually read other people's things and get into a conversation. So it has so much power as a listening platform, but as a speaking platform, if you're not putting out content that is educating your consumer, that is bringing value to your consumer, one of my favorite moves, and I'm gonna get very practitioner on you, is I spend a ton of time listening to what people are talking about that I'm trying to get to on Twitter, and then putting out content that I think matters to them around that subject on Facebook and Instagram and other platforms. A very important little nuance that I think could really help a lot of you. And now let's talk about what that actually means. Can you act and actually, let me, make, let, let me make a bigger statement. This is probably the best statement I can make in this room because there's a lot of B2B players in here. If you don't recognize that you're a media company first and then you do what you do for a living, you're making a huge mistake going into the next half decade. If you do not recognize whether you sell software as a service whether you sell PR service, client service, whether you sell a security system, if you don't understand what you, that no matter what you sell, you've got an app that's a utility, no matter what you do, if you don't recognize that you're a media company first and then comma, you do whatever you do, you will become vulnerable over the next half decade to a decade because acting like a media company is what is swallowing up advertising and sales. Acting like a media company is what is swallowing up advertising and sales. Meaning, if you go to winelibrary.com right now, you'll notice that I've shifted my family e-commerce business into something that looks more like the Wine Spectator or a wine content site. If you land on it, you'll see there's three bottles of wine at the top, but everything else is article after article after article of wine. Why? because media is a gateway drug to sales. Let me explain. In 2015, this is how I sell wine. I, right, I, my team writes an article with the following headline. Five wines you should drink if you graduated from the University of Princeton. Okay? But let's talk about why that article was written. The article was written because the second that article was published, we went to Facebook and created a, 
an ad, a piece of content, and we targeted people that live in New Jersey, are interested in wine, and graduated from the University of fucking Princeton. We spent a couple of hundred dollars, not wasting a penny on anybody that isn't the absolute target to that article, spent a couple of hundred dollars, brought in a ton of traffic at three cents a click, had some conversions, cool, great, but then had a thousand cookies that we remarketed to, and basically ultimately net-net business, the shit you care about, we spent about six or seven hundred dollars for eighteen thousand dollars in sales. 2015 marketing, using content first, because I did something else for this story. I ran ads for wines to people that were the same exact people we ran that piece of content to. It cost 49 cents a click, because we like reading articles more than we like being sold a bottle of wine in our Facebook feed. And we converted goose egg. Double fucking zero. Zero money. Zero money from the ads, 18,000 from the content by putting a $500 investment in time to produce the content. If you do not understand that you're a media company over the next decade, you will become vulnerable. Every single person in this room is in it. You may not think you're in it because wine's easy to make the connection point to, right? You're sitting here like, yeah, that's wine. I sell $10,000 a month cloud computing software. Where do I go? Here's where you go. Every one of you needs to audit tomorrow what is the B2B magazine that the customer you're trying to reach is reading and you need to try to put them out of business. This is the single biggest shift and opportunity in the marketplace that I can speak to you about today. I've ranted about this for the last three minutes, not because I wanna give you my secrets, but for two reasons. Number one, I know that 99% of you aren't gonna do anything about it anyway. Number two, I want to be historically correct so when I come back here in four to five years, you can say I'm a fucking genius. <laughs> That's the only reason I just spent the last five minutes on that spiel, do with it what you want. What else is going on? I think, I think the other thing that everybody needs to understand from an entrepreneur standpoint is that Uber, Airbnb, Instacart, all these companies, they are not anomalies. They're just a preview. What I don't think people understand is that software, and I think people have heard, and, and I think Mark Andreessen really owns this conversation, that software will eat up the world. I believe in this tremendously. I believe that when you look at Casper, the mattress company, I mean, it's just absolutely everywhere. Uh, Bellhops, a company out of Chattanooga, Tennessee, for moving. I mean, the companies that are growing right now that are solving inefficiencies in our society with software have just begun. And there is enormous opportunity for so many people here. And it's predicated on my favorite thing, which is I think the thing that everybody in this room values the most is the health and well-being of their family. I think the next thing that they value is money. And I think the third thing that you guys all value, right behind those two things, is time. Time is the asset that is going to be arbitraged to build tons and tons of billion dollar companies, billions, over the next decade. There is an absolute race, an absolute race by entrepreneurs to go out and try to solve inefficient problems that sell you back time. I passed on Uber's angel round twice, a $25,000 check that would have netted me $400 million in cash. That's bad. How many people here read Crush It or have Crush It? I know there's a couple of you, great. When you leave this, go back home and look at Crush It. In the acknowledgements, I acknowledge my family and one other human being, the CEO of Uber, Travis. It really fucking pisses me off that I missed this investment, but it's worth a good story. I passed on it twice. I didn't see it, I didn't see it. Can't be perfect. But I did invest in the next round very early on, so don't cry for me. Why did I invest the second time? Very simply. The second time I saw something different. It was because my brother AJ was the first person to use Uber in New York City, and I started watching the early people using it in New York City. A very tough brain twist 
to believe that Uber was gonna work in New York City early on because of how good the taxi service is in New York. And then I understood what was happening. Uber wasn't selling transportation. Uber was selling time. The reason Uber has exploded is the perception. I got a better one. Uber sells the perception of time. I know there's some New Yorkers in here. The amount of time we've hit Uber and then we just watch yellow cabs drive by (laughs) fucking kills me. Anyway, my friends, Uber sells time. Amazon is winning by selling time. Yes, they're selling good products and good service, but time. Instacart, time, right? Time is what they're selling. Airbnb, on the other hand, is selling inefficiencies, supply and demand, right? Sawdust. I'm not home for a month, I've got this empty house, zero return on my investment, I can put it up, you pay less than you pay in a hotel, away we go. There are thousands, thousands of things like this in our environment right now. I just invested this morning, finally signed the paperwork, on a company that just takes a hell of a lot less time when somebody in your family dies, this is not fun, sorry to bring down this beautiful glorious day to a, a lower level, but you know, it just takes a lot of time for all the paperwork and things of that nature, solved. Next, have you ever tried to buy somebody a bottle of champagne at a restaurant where you're not at that restaurant? You need to fax them your credit card front and back to be PCI compliant. New startup I just invested in, one button, one second, fixed, next. Abortion, right? The whole process of that, amazing amount of time. How about the other one that I just invested in? Adoption. I don't know if anybody here has been lucky enough to adopt. That process, as fucked as it gets, right? Now software that takes 19, 20 months and starts solving it within a week, including the main part within an hour. So there is inefficiency in our society, left and right, left and right. And so if you're an entrepreneur right now, You can come and pitch me your next photo idea. You can pitch me your next social network, cool. You can pitch me whatever you want, but I promise you, if you're not in love, and I mean in love with your idea, the number one thing you need to be thinking about is the massive inefficiencies that we as human beings create because of how we're wired and how we're structured. And oh, by the way, the way we've done it, you know, since the beginning of time. And now recognize that between this, which is now, oh, guys, we are now fundamentally robots. We are, we've just started the process. You may not realize that. How many people in here do not have a cell phone? Raise your hand, you do not have one. Zero, fucking robots. How many people here are buying or have already an Apple Watch? Raise your hands. Raise them high, give me a sense. All right, interesting. About seven to 10 people. That's gonna be an interesting debate to me. I'm convinced that 70% of this room will have an Apple Watch in 24 to 36 months. For one reason, it's gonna save you time. You're gonna realize that 500 fucking dollars is worth it because every time you're sitting in a meeting and you get buzzed and you do this and you look back up, You've given up two or three seconds. And when it happens here, and you know that that buzz is just a tweet and you don't have to look, because if your mom's hitting you up or your boyfriend's hitting you up, you get a different feel on your wrist, every single person in this room will absolutely, whether it's Apple, I don't give a shit, Nintendo, I don't care who comes up with it, every fucking person in this room, all 98% of you that just didn't raise your hand, all of you will have one in 24 to 36 months for one reason, not because you wanna be cool, not because it's the thing to do, because you value time and wearables on your body are gonna save it to you. How many people in this room are willing to admit the following? Raise your hand, If you are willing to put technology into your actual body, raise it high. Raise it high, keep it up. You know what, stand up. Stand up if you're willing to. I need this. Yep, stand up. And I'm doing, to stay still, these are people, let's just understand, these lovely people, they are now out and out in front of all of us saying they are willing to put technology into your body. While 70% of, one friend that's sitting with another friend just said to him, let them get fucking cancer. (laughs) Cool, let's clap it up for these pioneers. You have to understand, and this is why this is important, you have to understand that if I asked this question 15 years ago, (laughs) 
that nobody would have stood up. Everybody would be like, what the fuck is this guy talking about, right? Like, you have to understand, it's just evolution. If I brought in a caveman right now on stage, he'd be like, what the fuck is this, right? Like, this is just what it's going to be. And so what you need to understand is it's just evolution. Here's a good one. Let me tell you how much you love time. Let me tell you why you're gonna have a watch. How many people in this room are now willing to admit this phenomenon in society? How many people in this room by show of hands actually now get mad when another human being calls them? (laughs) Raise your hands high. Raise them high. High. Guys, 35%, 25 to 35% of this room actually gets mad at another person if they call them. You have to understand why that's happening. Because those 30% people recognize how valuable time is. They recognize, why the hell are you calling me on your time? You don't know what I'm doing. Text me and I will get back to you when it's my time. That, that's just real. That's real. And so what's happening is technology, technology is giving us options. My favorite thing to debate with all my big clients, how many people here now watch TV outside of live sports and live event shows on your time? Meaning, not when the show airs, but you're watching Netflix, DVR, TiVo, when you wanna watch it, raise your hands. Watching TV now on your time, raise your hands, because I see some hands down and that stunned me. Higher, higher. Interesting, this is probably the lowest number, but it's still 80%. Cool, thank you. You can put your hand down, dude. Um, but I appreciate the enthusiasm. I'm never fucking watching TV when they say. How many of the 80% of you fast forward every single commercial when given the chance? $80 billion spent on storytelling, a product and service to you, and 58% of this room, which is the lowest number I've seen since I've been doing this for a year and a half, are fast forwarding every single message because you have options. And back to attention, even if you're lucky enough to get your commercial through to somebody because they're watching live and I don't know, the remote fell off the bed, right? (laughs) Even if you're lucky enough, Every person in this room, when something goes to commercial and they're not watching what they wanna watch, every single person in this room, because it's always within arm's reach, reach for their phone and tweet about what they saw, check their email, text their buddy. If you think you're giving attention to, it's why I believe Super Bowl commercials are 30 to 500% underpriced because the sport of actually consuming the sale is what we do in our society. So, my friends, what I've hoped I've established, and now I want to get into Q&A and get into specific questions, but what I've hoped I've established with my little rant here this morning is this. Shit's changing. And the opportunity's very intense. You know, I, I'm 39. You know, I'm not a 22-year-old kid spewing like the future. I lived through an era as a professional where stuff was changing slower. I felt it was changing. The internet, e-commerce, you know, Google AdWords. But the reason the web 1.0 bubble failed and all the crash, because we predicted too far ahead, right? We thought pets.com and these things were gonna work. Veterans in this room are affected by the first wave of the internet crashing when everybody predicted ahead. The problem and the opportunity is the same, which is this internet thing, it's not going away. This internet thing is now 100% full scale. Mobile technology, content, information at our fingertips, always, forever, and there's no going back. This is the world we now live in. And if you've really paid attention to what's happened over the last 36 months, and this is just really common law, it's going faster. And change is happening faster. You can go from zero to 100 million users now in a heartbeat. That wasn't the case for Facebook. You know, everybody likes these charts of, look how fast my startup grew, or my media company grew in the last year, faster than BuzzFeed. Right, different world, different world. We are exponentially speeding up the process, and if you're not willing to run as fast as the market, it will crush you, and the good things that you want won't happen, and the bad things that you want, or don't want, excuse me, will happen. And so, I highly recommend you calibrate 
the treadmill that we're actually on because a lot of people here just want to loop it up to number 1.3 and walk nicely and listen to their songs and this shit's on 11.7. So get your shit together. Thank you. So, you've got some mics to run? Yeah, we've got two runners, one on each side. So please stand up. If you'd like a question, they'll bring you the microphone right now and they'll repeat it for you if you can't project it from the back. Come on, bring it on. Gary's ready to... <laughs> go ahead. The theme. Yep. Oh, there we go. Get it close to your mouth. <laughs> yep. Hey Gary, Rob Papandre, I work at uh, the Boeing Company, Twitter handle, uh, Run With Rob. Uh, we do a bunch of big data stuff, just like you're talking about. Um, any software people in the house that are looking to do cool shit with airplanes, come find me. How to do my This plug. sales pitch is phenomenal. Let's clap it up for the sales fucking hustle. Do you have a so, fucking question? I, I mean, you got a couple fucking other handles you wanna shoot the fuck out there? So my question's personal, love the Ask Gary V show. Thank um, you. So one thing you talk about, the, the health well-being of our families, what matters most, you always talk about yes. how Lizzie's totally bought in yes. to you know, how much you hustle. So you know, I graduate from school, I hustle, career advances. Meet my wife, continue to hustle, career keeps advancing. Have our first kid, gets a little bit more challenging, yep. keep hustling. Number two comes along nine months ago, and the struggle begins. So how have you, I mean, you, your supreme fucking hustle. I mean, yes. right, you should just rename your Twitter handle, right? Don't, don't, you know. I won't. <laughs> so how, how do you balance that um, and say that your family matters and continue to do it? So I've, I've executed, so it, it starts, and I, the one thing I'm always, a lot of people ask me this question, and the thing I'm absolutely terrified of, and I just want everybody to know, I will never, ever, ever give anybody relationship or parenting advice, because the truth is, it's very individual, it's very contextual, it's based on so many variables. I'll tell you, this is my overarching advice. It's heavily predicated on communication, right? My wife and I talk about stuff a lot. And it was about, and if you're a youngster, it was about establishing communication. On our first date, when I knew that I was gonna marry Lizzie, I said to her, I'm like, listen, we're gonna get married, just so you know, and, <laughs> and I wanna buy the New York Jets. So, you need, you need to understand what I'm kidding. I mean, this was literally a sentence in my first date with my wife. You're gonna think that we're gonna fall in love and start a family, and that when we start, a I'll hustle in the beginning, but when we start a family, I'll be around a little bit more. I'm scared that's not true, and you need to know that truth. Right, so it's been communication from the first date to now. Now, what happens is, your family grows and all these things. I want to spend more time with my family. It's not just about buying the jets. They are the most important thing. For me, and a recommendation I would give other people that are completely in love with what they do for a living, and it's the oxygen of their being, which is what I am, I've won on extremes. So where I've won is now weekends, I'm really checked out of work, where as four or five years ago, I was in it, in my phone, I'm really giving it all in. I also am taking seven weeks of vacation a year now, which is very aggressive, a lot more than the two that I took 24 months ago, 36 months ago. However, outside of those 100 days and those seven weeks, which is plenty, I mean, you're starting to get into 130 days, you know, outside of those days, I work from 6 a.m to midnight, and I literally don't even see my kids for two or three days, talk to Lizzie, I mean, I'm fully head down. And that's what works for us. That's not gonna, my sister, if my brother-in-law tried to pull that shit on my sister, she would stab him in the fucking neck. <laughs> and he works at Wine Library. <laughs> like, so, so that's what works for Lizzie and I. We hacked along the way and found this cadence that's working for now, but it's funny, Lizzie went to, my brother AJ's getting married in a couple weeks, she went to the bachelorette party with my future sister-in-law and it was the first time that I was with the kids by myself with no help for a complete 48 hours straight, it was like, oh, you know, and I was with them and it's funny, like, it's like when you go like, on a weekend vacation with your boys and you become closer with them, like just that 48 hours made me even closer to the kids, just that straight run, and you know, now I wanna spend even more time, and more importantly, they're getting of the age where they're gonna have 
plays and sports in the middle of the day. And so like 18 hours straight in a day becomes less practical. So maybe I'm not taking seven weeks. Maybe I'm not doing all in on weekends. I don't know, but it's adjusting along the way because the variables change along the way. Not to mention the things that we don't want to talk about, which is things that are bad or things that you have to adjust to. To me, it's about counterpunching. It's not making a plan now that you have to stick to. It's understanding the market every second and reacting to it in the same way I think about business. Cool. It's coming. Yep. 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 Is it working? Lizzie just said less than 48. Okay. What's that? Lizzie's watching on Meerkat. Lizzie, don't blow my fucking spot. But it was less. It was like 36. I just wanted to know what happened to the beard? The beard? So I don't know why I grew the beard in the first place. And so getting rid of it wasn't super hardcore. Obviously, some of you that watch the show know that AJ's wedding's coming up and my sister-in-law really didn't want me to have the ridiculous beard, but that's like in still like six or seven weeks, so I just, you know, I have no fucking idea. All right, uh, all right so my question pretty much is that uh, we're in a similar situation. Keep, keep the mic closer. All right, we're in a similar situation that you were in with Wine Library, and um, our main focus is content and solving problems, but we start to lack sometimes when we think about scalability. Is that something we should focus on at the beginning? What does your business do? Uh, we're kind of the organic supplement scene. Organics what? Supplements. So you sell supplements? Yes. Okay. And so how are you trying to sell them? Uh, creating really great content because the brands are lacking in storytelling. Yep. So we're really trying to win there. But do we focus on scalability at the beginning or is that something we should ignore? The scalability of content output? Like, do we, should we be focusing on how this business is going to grow or just focus on solving problems? Because sometimes we're like... Well, that's a quick way to grow by solving problems, right? Because if you don't solve your fucking problems, you're out of fucking business, yeah. right? So, but let's keep going. Um, yeah, so like uh, sometimes we'll... Let me ask you a quick question. Are you, sales, like what, what are the funnels that are working for you? Is it SEM, is it banner retargeting, is it Facebook, is it content? Like where are the sales coming from? Um, well, right now we just transferred to an online store. Okay. So we're, we're new in the scene. And, okay. Um, so things I'm talking about scalability is we're focusing on like, should we get more team members? Should we just focus on team members we have? Or um, because if we don't have enough team members, we might not be able to. to Are you talking about MLM then when you say team members? No, no, no. I'm just talking about having a core team that's going to be able to put out more content and whatnot. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I'm a big believer. The reason the two companies that I ran as CEO uh, both grew from 30 to 200 people within 18 months. So I'm a big fan of investing every single dollar into growth. If you can afford more people, I would always do that. I mean, you guys are young, right? Like, what are you gonna do with that extra money that you put in your pocket? Nothing productive, I promise. So, so I would highly recommend taking every, if you can afford bringing more people in, I always believe in that because you're investing in the long term. So if that's the way you're referring to scalability, I would say absolutely grind, try to drive the most profit and reinvest it back into people that then allows you guys to do bigger things and they're taking the things that either you're not as good at you don't like, or things that you just need, want somebody else to do so you're able to level up to whatever you think is the next strategy of your business. The reason I like teammates is it allows me to level up. The reason I like a lot of employees is in the beginning of VaynerMedia, I had to do everything, you know? And there's a lot of things I'm not good at or like to do. So it's about bringing as many team members that allow, I used to work the floor of Wine Library. You walked in, I helped you, what do you, you know? by investing in people, I was able to have wine staff on the floor which allowed me to start building out the email marketing aspects that really grew my business. So investing in your business, especially the biggest mistake young entrepreneurs make is they take home too much money. When I was 28 years old, I was making $37,000 a year. That's the part of the story nobody talks about, right? And so why? Because I was investing. Because Wine Library was my asset. So... I would give that a lot of thought. All right, appreciate it. You got it. Questions? Who's got the mic? Make sure you go back there because they're getting really freaky back there. <laughs> so I'm the guy that cornered him in the uh, tent over there. <laughs> um, Closer to your face and louder. Yeah. So real quick, uh, anyone who's looking to invest in companies saving time for other companies, talk to me. But I mean, the hustle in the <laughs> South is real. <laughs> What, what do you think are the best channels to communicate B2B? Uh, you talked about finding who those B2B magazines are, but yeah. what are the other channels you're looking at right I, now? So, do you, like, so you told me that you landed a big gig, right? 
And do you recognize the five to 25 companies regionally that you think you can sell to? Oh, I, I have a list of over 200. Good. <laughs> I, the 200 people that you can sell to, the companies that can use your security software, right? I would do two things. One, I would find the name of the decision maker, the actual human being, Sarah Thompson, right? I would find those people on LinkedIn. I would then put their name into Twitter and see if I can find them. Go into Google, Sarah Thompson, RRR Ventures, Twitter. Search, there she is. I would follow her and I would follow every person of that 200 person list of the two to three people that could actually make the decision to buy your list. So now you've got 600 people. 107 of them are on Twitter. For the 490 other people, there's a couple things you can do. If you decide to go the content route that I'm talking about, you can put out content and then target people that work for that company on Facebook because then they'll see it in their feed, right? Do not, sp- the amount of people in this room that are in B2B that send cold emails on LinkedIn and think they're marketing on social media is fucking insanity. You're spamming people, right? So it's about those two tactics. By the way, on the Twitter tactics, Sarah Thompson, you find her, watch what she talks about. When she talks about Beyonce, you talk to her about Beyonce. You build an actual relationship. It's the reason that we used to go golfing with prospective clients or take them to a steak dinner or do a conference to meet people. It's networking. It's just done digitally. A funny thing will happen after you talk to her about Beyonce and about the rain and about this conference. She's gonna look at your profile and be like, hey, is this what you do? You don't even have to ask for the business. It'll come to you if you listen and shut your mouth. Thanks for the hat. You got it. Let's go to the back after this crew. Hey, man. Hey, Gary. What are the, some of the elements of telling a great story when you are unknown and you're a startup? Where do you start? The truth. This is such, thank you so much for asking this question. I'm glad I got this. I, you know what's so funny? I, I just want to leave it at that for the profoundness that I think it means. The truth. <laughs> it's really interesting watching this space and I've been watching it really heavily. It's amazing how valuable the truth is. It's just, it's, we are very, even the people in this room that are not self-aware, that don't have empathy, that don't have a lot of EQ, even they, in comparison to every other species in the world, are intuitive. People react very heavily to the truth. And um, I, I, you, know, the, you know what's funny about the truth? It's easy. The alternative is hard. When you're trying to front because you're a small, that's what happens. Small companies, they front, because they think they need it. You don't, the truth is what you need. And by the way, it's never been better to be a young company now, because for the first time in the business world ever, 40, 50, 60 year olds respect 20 year olds, because they fucking saw the social network movie and they're like, fuck, right? (laughs) So, So for the first time ever, ever, for the first time ever in the business world, a 25 year old, in jeans and a hoodie can walk into a boardroom and actually have some level of respect because us older cats understand the game's changing. So the truth, my man, that is where it's at. Tell the truth, tell the journey of your, one of the great things that small businesses don't do is put out, because they're like, what do I talk about? Why don't you talk about the process of building the business? Like, talk about how this meeting sucked today, right? Like, people attach themselves to stories. It's reality TV. Got it? So that's a, very easy, that's a very easy thing to do, to just talk about what happened today, whether through video, audio, or the written word. I mean, talk about a podcast that would do well, right? You just record like how your day went. I mean, there's a lot of people going through that grind and hustle. They can attach, you know? Cool, two more, did you say two more questions or two more minutes? You got it. Hello. Hi, hi Gary, it's Alicia from episode 66. Thanks for <laughs> answering my question. How are you? Great. Um, So I saw the show last night wondering what Chris Rock's question was to you and Uh, what your answer was. Yeah, that was super fun for me. As a lot of you who follow me know, I think my speaking style takes on, I think I'm very affected by Richard Pryor and Chris Rock and I know we're in the South, so sorry for the cursing. And so, uh, (laughs) I appreciate it. It was super fun for me to meet Chris Rock. Uh, We're investors in a similar uh, restaurant, so we just kind of shoot, you know, we're just shooting the shit. Uh, He's a really good guy, he's he's a really 
bright dude. We were, we were, he was just talking to me about you know, the other platforms that he thought would be important for him to think about as he tries to stay relevant as a comedian to the younger demo. And so we were just talking about Yik Yak and Snapchat and I showed him Meerkat as you saw. Uh, it was super fun, thanks. Cool. Good morning. Um, I am an owner Nate, of Bits of Lace, fine lingerie, and I have... I didn't, no, start over. Two things. I, First of all, what's your name? My name is Ruth Brennan. Great, because the only thing I heard was lingerie. So That's what I sell. <laughs> start over. <laughs> I own Bits of Lace. It's a fine lingerie. I have two brick and mortars and four websites, and I do a lot of the things you're suggesting, and I am wanting to know how to transition from the hard copy which we've done traditionally the always. The catalog? The catalog, yeah. the newspaper, yeah. the all of those things that, even a billboard or, yep. you know, we're doing some radio, which we tell the story, and at the end it says bits of lace, which worked. Yes. But we want to know that process you would recommend. Hello? Go ahead. That you would recommend for a business that's like mine, it's a small business. Yep. To make the transition from hard copy, just drop it, or what? So, this is so fun for me. What, uh, do you have, so how long have you been, had this business? I've had the business for 14 years. Do you feel that the hard copy, the radio, the print, the catalog are starting to diminish in the ROI compared to 10 or 11, 12 years ago? Absolutely. Thank you for saying that. Um, you know, I think you're in a really good spot, sister, because you sell fucking lingerie. I <laughs> so, you know, there's some poor dudes that have like security SaaS companies. There's only so creative you can fucking get with that. Um, so, so I, think, I think you have three channels that I would put all my time and energy into. So as you know, you're creating the creative with some agency or yourself whether it's the ad, the catalog, there you go, who's sitting next to you. So you guys are creating the creative and then you're paying money to distribute it. The money for distribution, the mail, the printing of the catalog, these are expensive vehicles to get to the consumer. I want you to take some of those dollars and create more creative, but I want you to distribute them in order on Pinterest, Facebook, and Instagram. Those are the three channels where you will dominate. Now what I don't know, what percentage of your consumer is female versus male? Is it like 90 female, 10 male, or what, what's the numbers? I would say that depending on the season, it's probably 80% uh, female, 20% men, and then it grows to 40%, 60%, depending on holidays and things like that. Well you have one huge advantage, which is that dudes are scum buckets, right? So what I mean by that is, if you really look at, if you really look at Instagram, there's a lot of people that argue that Instagram is soft porn. Like if you go into the explore feature, right? I think if you've got dudes, and, and I know this could be a little rogue and crass and I apologize, but the truth is if, if men are representing 40 to 60% in season, that Instagram and Facebook are gonna work for you because guys are visual, you're gonna be able to get in front of them, you can go very local, right? You're just targeting men that are married or not men in the area, right? And so. I think, I think that if I bought your business, I would shift 80 to 90% of my monies to Pinterest, Instagram, and Facebook, and based on the time, when it's higher man season, I'd be more into Instagram and Facebook, and when it's off season, I'd be further and heavier into Pinterest. And no, no Google ads. You don't agree with that. Look, I think Google SEM works, but my intuition is that, you know, I don't, you know, I'd have to look down the path. I mean, I, I, you know what's so funny? I assumed that you were doing Google Ads. Are you doing Google Ads? I am doing Google Ads, And what, yes. are, you, what are you seeing there? And I'm seeing a good return on yeah, investment, I am. Yeah. Are you seeing better return on investment on that dollar for dollar than the other stuff? Well, I think that it adds to the picture because what I do get a return on ad, I do automatically, I'm you know organically found and then I go after these specific things on those other areas that yep. I'm not found for yep. and that's where I get my conversions. Yep. My intuition is you're like a lot of business owners which is right now you should be pouring more money into Google Ads but you're staying with the romance and the history of the other channels and you haven't shifted enough appropriate money into Google versus the other channels and what I believe as you heard earlier I look at Google AdWords as digital archaic or like 1.0 and you've got these three other options so my intuition is what percentage of your money are you spending on Google Ads very ne small give me two, a number two percent fuck okay 
so I think that you should go 30% traditional, which means you're dropping 58%, right? Drop 25% of that into Google and then drop the rest into these three other channels. That's a big shift. And then stop the hard copy. I, no, I, I would, as you could tell, I would probably leave 30% hard okay. copy. Okay. Because, you know, okay. you've got to walk before you run. Yeah. I don't need to rip the Band-Aid off right away. But if you just listen to the tone of your voice, you already know this is the right answer. Yes, I do. Cool. Thanks, <laughs> Thank everyone. You. Gary Vaynerchuk. Thank you.